Matt Will. No L's, just sevens. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shifts, ripping off rip, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad will, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up for size, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Daily Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Williams. I am back in action with my friend, John Legaza. We are here for week eight, the main show, the DFS, the betting, the entire main slate on Sunday. And we're going to go through all the all the games, what you should be doing, trying to make some money. Because in the end, that is pretty much the goal here. Some people play fantasy football for fun. A lot of people play it for money, but we are here to make you some money. Uh, so again, you can find me on Twitter at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S. And like I said, always my partner in crime here, Mr. John Legaza. What is up, John? Yes, Matt, what's going on? I'm so excited to have you in the chair. Uh, you know what? I appreciate the platform during the week. It's been a lot of fun, but also you did mention the business aspect of it. And even though the show has only been, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, I think getting through all the pertinent information as it rolls in, we're doing injuries, we're tracking, you know, waivers and stuff, which directly translate into line movements and then DFS plays. So I think we really created a nice little routine here. And man, I am excited and I am fully prepped and ready to go, man. You ready to launch this bad boy? I am. And everyone, I mean, the, the Friday show's long. We're going to, we're yeah. going to be going daily, you know, here we've already started, but, and we give you the pertinent information only. We don't like doctor it up. We don't try to make it sound smarter than it is. We don't tell you about stats. You don't need to know or care about. We're just telling you exactly the stuff that is facts and the stuff that is needed to know to make you some money. So that is what we're here to do. So Sunday, starting at the very top, the Cincinnati Bengals visit the New York Jets. Oh, my God. Is this going to be a bloodbath? Uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like that on the surface, and it's easy to go that route after the Jets just got totally shellacked and then lost, you know, Zach. Well, it's really rough for the green and white right now. Let's dive on in, Matt. The Bengals are favored by 10 and a half. This one started at nine and a half in the middle of the week, and I knew that was going to go into the double digits. I still don't know if 11 is close enough. This feels like a minimum of two scores. I think the reason it hasn't exploded, Matt, are the drive kind of pace stats. Cincinnati, though they are prolific because of long plays, they do move very slowly. 31.3 seconds per play is near the bottom of the board, if not the slowest moving team in the league. And they're not... Great with sustained drives, only 31 yards a drive, less than three minutes per drive. But we know they do things well enough on both sides of the ball. You know, four and a half adjusted line yards, getting Mixon opening space. You know, when he's healthy, he's really effective. When P. Ryan is out there, they have a pretty good one-two punch. Now, that's kind of kept me off Mixon for DFS, but it doesn't hurt the Bengals team. And then we know the passing offense. Again, it's not a volume offense. Only 30 attempts per game. 21 completions, but 263 yards, almost nine yards per attempt, 12 and a half yards per completion. So they're good. They're good deep. The Jets have struggled against the pass early on. They had it because of those kind of blowout wins, funneling the opposition into the run. But now we're seeing those season stats even catch up. Jets allowing 38 attempts, 26 completions, 275 yards a game, 10 and a half yards per completion. This one really doesn't feel close. So I think you got to have room 
Uh, for Chase, right, he's a superstar. It's undeniable. For DFS, Matt, my play is actually T. Higgins. 27% target share when he's on the field. The team, 30% of all air yards. The A dot is right at 10, right where I kind of draw the line. He's been heavily targeted. He's a major part of the offense. The Jets have been pretty good against the number ones. I think Higgins might be a real value here. I think he had 15 targets last week, reeled in seven for 62. So, yeah, give me the Bengals to clear this one easily. I may not go with Burrow because of the volume. But like I said, I love Higgins in this one. You like that Higgins play? And on the other side, do you like anything for the Jets? I've heard some Michael Carter love, but I can't get there. Okay. So, first thing, let's just start with a line, a 10 and a half. It's um, a lot of people may think, all right, this is going to be a massive blowout, which it probably will be. But, I mean, if you watch the NFL, there's a reason some of these lines aren't larger if this was college football and people and teams were looking to like put it on you sure the Bengals could be favored by 40 here but in the nfl that doesn't really happen you don't see too many teams winning 40 to zero uh you know 52 to three uh, you know they they get up big they run the ball they run the clock out and they get out of town you know they're not getting paid by the hour they want the game to end they're going to make the clock disappear so um even though i think 10 and a half i would still if I had to bet, bet the Bengals, I don't really bet when the line is that big. Too much weird shit yeah. can go on. Um, Joe Burrow is a on the surface, looks like a smash play here, but and I mean, he's on pace for like almost 5,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, and he's going against the Jets defense that just gave up 300 yards to freaking Mac Jones. So that seems like it should be a, a, an easy play here, but he's priced up to 7,100 now, and yeah. he can get there. Um, I mean, he just scored. He just he just scored thirty fantasy points uh, at Baltimore, which is amazing. But you know that happened a lot towards the end of the game. He'll need some big plays, which he can definitely get and probably will get against the Jets. But you know, he without the uh, the rushing floor, it's 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 a difficult proposition to take someone who's yeah. being priced at seventy one hundred. So um, Joe Burrow, I I can't go with this week as much as I love the guy. Um, going to his compatriots out there that he's throwing to Jim, Jamar Chase is seventy five hundred. Ah, that's a lot. Uh, yeah. And of course, he can do it. Thirty seven points versus Baltimore. Thirty points versus Green Bay. You still, I mean, he's gonna get. He's gonna find the end zone, no doubt. But again, this year he's got what four four touchdowns. Um, and you know, there's I don't know how many, how many four. No, no, four touchdowns in the last since week three. So in the last five weeks, he's gotten uh, four touchdowns. So you need you need him to find the end zone, obviously, for that pace. In the first three games of the year, you know, he had four touchdowns in the first three games, and he's had four touchdowns in the last five. So it, it's it's again, that's a lot of points to spend. That's yeah. a lot of points to spend for a wide receiver. I don't I don't typically like to do that. So again, I'll probably be fading that as well. Even though I love Jamar Chase, uh, yeah, cash please. game cash game that's a fine play he's gonna find the end zone in my t higgins i think is the play like you said 5200 i expect him to find the end zone as well but at that price point i think i think we can get there a lot more because again you want to look at uh 5200 you're going to expect a little over two you know you want over 20 fantasy points from him and he's not gotten there yet. but he's had 10 targets seven targets six targets 15 targets last week they're obviously ignoring tyler boyd because when they can have big Big plays through the air. There's no reason to ticky-tack the ball to move the chains. So Tyler Boyd's left out on the cold. I think T. Higgins could be looking at a game of the year here, which for GPP purposes will, will be what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like Higgins, but I expect his ownership to still be high. Yeah, Moving over to the running backs, Joe Mixon at 6,900, also price too high. Um, he's going to get the rock like crazy. They're going to be up. They're going to be running the ball. 
he has really yet to get to where you maybe need him to be, where he's being priced at Detroit. He had 26 points, um, you know, on 18 carries, 94 yards. And he also got six targets, uh, which last week he got zero the weeks before that one, two and one. So, um, no P Ryan that game. Yeah. 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 So we're going to go ahead and assume that, uh, those targets aren't there. So yeah. he's probably not going to get the work necessary for 6,900 P Ryan at 4,900 is okay because if they get up really big, um, you're going to need to, you know, they're probably going to lean on him a little more than Joe Mixon. But, uh, you know, if you look at the last couple of games, man, he's got 11 carries in both of them, 59 yards, 52 yards. He found the end zone once um, through the air, one on the ground. So, you know, the Baltimore one was a little fluky, uh, but, you know, it, it counts all the same. So if you wanted for GPP purposes, I think that uh, P. Ryan's a fine play. I would fade Mixon um, at 6,900 just because, uh, you know, I think the the game script may unfortunately not go in his favor, and he still is splitting the carries with Pirine. After all, the Bengals are looking to win games, not win you in DFS. So uh, to recap, uh, I I wouldn't go after the quarterbacks, not even in cash. I think Joe Burrow, you just, you want, I want rushing floor, and I love Joe Burrow. Pirine in a, um, in GPP. Oh, I didn't talk about Michael Carter. I love Michael Carter. I think he's a great guy to play in the future. He saw as many targets in week uh, seven than he did the f- previous three weeks combined. So he's starting to get more and more involved. But again, against Cincinnati uh, in a game, they're definitely going to be behind. It's just not the time for me. You can try it at 4,900. I mean, it's a, you know, to, if you're trying to win a million dollars, if you're in the million maker, you got to be different. So he'd, he'd be like a, maybe a super contrarian play where I wouldn't mind playing Carter, but if you're in cash or you're in just a, a single entry uh, GPP, I would ignore Carter, but uh, yeah, and then wide receiver side, you want nothing to do with any Jets, just because you want nothing to do with uh, you want nothing to do with Mike White, and uh, yeah, I think T Higgins is the way to go. So, yep, long long winded way of going. Oh, and CJ Uzuma, one more, thirty seven hundred, still not priced appropriately high enough, maybe, um, because of the amount of love he's being shown by Joe Burrow, but um, still three targets, three targets, two targets. He's not getting targeted a ton. The one week four versus Jacksonville, he had six targets, five catches two touchdowns last week three targets three catches two touchdowns if i'm gonna be paying for cj uzuma i'm, I'm gonna want to see more looks like the like he saw in week four week seven was a little bit of a fluke so i'll fade him uh to uh, i'll fade him all, all all day long because there's still some tight ends that are cheaper that are are seeing way more targets than he is so i think it's fool's gold i love the guy i'll root for the guy he seems like a nice dude uh but I'll, <laughs> I'll fade him because it's 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 a low percentage play that he's he scores two times on three targets. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually hit the Azuma last week, and I'm not going to be going back to the well. Though Cincinnati has done a good job taking advantage of teams that do not defend the tight end well, which was Jacksonville and Baltimore. Those were the two games that CJ did go off. The Jets are also on that list, though. Again, I'm not going to start bucking my volume-based argument here, but the Jets have struggled against the tight end. 16 and a half fantasy points a game, averaging eight targets for 72 yards. But that is not really, you know, an Ozuma well, plus, thing. Well, plus in the past weeks, I mean, he was priced at like 2700 2600 3000 yeah. They finally bucked him up to 3700 That's a big difference. Yeah. It was, and it was Pitts that did a ton of the damage. I'm going to be interested to see these Jets against the Bengal wideouts. The Jets have not allowed a 100-yard receiver yet as far as a wideout goes. The closest was Tim Patrick. And then, man, there's only one other player at 80, which was DJ Moore. He's a high-quality target. And then, man, they just shut down the entire world. No one's been at 70 since then. Now they haven't faced any individual receiver as good as Chase. 
So something's going to have to give, but I, I wouldn't be looking to buck the trend here, like you said, especially with the price. The total of 43 probably feels fair. Even if we give the Bengals 30, you got to get the Jets to around 13 or 14. So I think that line is fair. If it was any higher, it'd be going under, but I don't like to go under these such low totals. All right, that was really cool. All right, let's move it up, man. I love this Friday show. That's everything you could want. Oh, one thing we were talking about making money, right, Matt? You did build off the Michael Carter thing. You want to talk about making money, people. You could look for the Michael Carter reception, and that might be a nice hit. You know, it wasn't out. I looked earlier. They're coming out today, later on today. If you see that and it's like four or five, I think you could definitely hit. Right, Matt? We're talking about just a straight reception prop. Outside of yardage, you got to think Carter, who had eight grabs, is a candidate to make five or six grabs, right? Absolutely, Mike White. Yeah. Um, when he's when he's uh, going to be under pressure as a you know a, an experienced quarterback, they always love to dump it off to wide receivers. They love to yeah. dump it off to tight ends. They love to dump it off to slot receivers like Crowder. Uh, so yeah, I would I would expect Carter to get uh, quite a few looks. I don't know how much how i don't know how much production he'll get but we don't care we just care about how many <laughs> how many targets and how many receptions all right next up miami dolphins are two touchdown underdogs that one is stuck right at plus four going to buffalo to face the bills the total high at 48 and a half the total is up so high because tua is back and looked really efficient the last couple games man i went and actually watched those um you know i watched those miami games he looks really efficient now he did make one really gross mistake last week it was if there were interceptions that were unforgivable it was right on that borderline it was terrible but the last two weeks he's averaging over 300 yards he's six the last two weeks and we're seeing a little bit of that running you know having at least 22 rushing yards the last two games so this is a different team with Tua so I'm trying not to punish them for all these really poor offensive stats but there are some that Maybe he doesn't affect so much. And, you know, the offensive line has really struggled with Miami. Only 3.74 adjusted line yards allowed. That's like firmly in the bottom third. They do not run the ball. 20 and a half attempts for only 80 yards a game. We know that's going to be an issue. They pass at a high volume, Matt, but it's not deep. Everything is very close to the line. They like to run high percentage plays, which is fine, but... That means you're going to have to be really efficient and sustain a lot of drives against a pretty, pretty good Buffalo defense. That Miami pass game I was talking about, Matt, 40 attempts a game, 40 attempts, 27 completions. Those are both firmly in the top third, but only 5.7 yards per attempt, less than nine yards per completion. Those are in bottom five each. Buffalo defense, so I even have to tell you, leading the league, 16 points allowed, 58 plays, 270 yards a game, 4.7 yards a play. Those are all first in the league. 63% drive success rate on defense, first in the league. 3.16 adjusted line yards, first in the league. Matt, Buffalo does a lot of things really, really well. So it's stoppable force, movable object here. I'm having a hard time getting behind Miami, but here's where I'm adopting that assertion you made before about two touchdowns and the spread. I can't bet two touchdowns in division, even though I do think Buffalo handles Miami. I don't know where it's going to go for Buffalo. So I think Josh Allen is a huge play, even at the price and even in cash. Miami side, I'm a bit worried man, that maybe there are some receptions for Waddle and Gesicki again, as far as volume goes. But I don't know if they're going to be able to stretch the field the way you need to to keep up with Buffalo on the offensive side, where they've also been very good. So for me, I'm under the total of 48 and a half, Matt. Even if Buffalo gets to that 30, I don't know if Miami gets to 20. 
And I think it's just Allen because I don't know where it's going to go. What do you think about this one in the AFC East? Man, I, I looked at this game and I really wanted to find a way to play Dolphins. Because uh, you said it's in division. So you got to you, you you do all your analysis and then you throw half of it out because it's in division. Right. So, I mean, two looks sharp other than, I mean, even though everyone wants to paint him as this trash quarterback, he's just not. No, um, he's like, not. Like you said, he had one really bad mistake. And of course, that's the one that keeps getting played in replays. Uh, but the bills are tough. <laughs> so, I yeah. mean, uh, any idea of doing a contrarian cheap stack is out the window. Uh, don't play two of this week. I, I, you know, I think better days are ahead. Uh, Jalen Waddle has seen like 20 or plus targets or so the last couple of weeks, uh, 21 targets over the last two weeks. And he is someone that I would have tried to sneak in as well. If only 5,600, but um, with, without knowing if Devonte Parker is going to play necessarily, um, a lot of detention uh, attention could be on Waddle, who scored uh, 29 fantasy points and 15.3. The games that he's done well the past two weeks have been at Jacksonville versus Atlanta, not exactly mm-hmm. Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So w- Waddle is a guy you can throw in there in in GPP for 5600 as someone that could theoretically go off, but he's not one of my favorite plays. As I you know, I expect the Bills defense to kind of do its thing, um, but. He's talented enough, and he's going to see a lot of targets. So he's definitely someone to keep on your radar. Absolutely, he's he's uh, he's inexpensive enough, and he could easily get you to where you need to go. Uh, I think at only fifty six hundred, he's that talented. Um, it's just a bad matchup, especially in Buffalo, where it's probably going to be cold because it's been cooling down all over the country. Uh, that's kind of it. I mean, I want nothing to do with uh, Miles Gaskin. He's someone who should be like pretty much firmly placed on your bench. Uh, against the the Bills. I mean, Gaskin's f- fantasy finishes over the last few weeks, he's basically like off and on. He had that one game where he was getting all the catches in the world. He's anywhere between like RB4 and RB like 75. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, that's that's where he's been. Um, that's uh, that's literally how wide he's, uh, his spread has been. So, yeah. I mean, the Bills defense is allowing like 65 yards per game. Uh, rushing yards per game to, to running backs. And there's there's no reason to go there with uh with Miami. Again, a team that's going to be behind, no doubt. Uh, you mentioned Josh Allen. He's like, you know, he's probably, you know, probably still the MVP of the league at this point. Um, if, you know, not, if not Derek, uh, Derek Henry. And um, the, uh, in, the Dolphins are allowing a shitload of passing yards per game, over 300, 311.6. And, uh, Josh and they also we everyone knows about the the Miami rushing defense or lack thereof. And while everyone may be looking to Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, I want nothing to do with that backfield ever because they're constantly splitting it. Uh, Josh Allen likes to run, you know. Spoiler alert. Uh, so I I think that I will definitely be firing up Josh Allen, and I have no problem pairing him with a couple of guys. Stefan Diggs is always a fine play. Uh, and I think his uh, 8,100 is a bit egregious for how yeah. he's performed. I mean, 32 points. I can't see him quite getting there. So, I mean, let's go back to our old friend, Emmanuel Sanders of 5,400. He's been somewhat quiet uh, compared to earlier in the season. But, you know, last week again at Tennessee, eight targets, 91 yards. Previous week, five targets, two touchdowns. I, I think that he's a nice enough uh, guy to, to pair him with. So, you can go across the board and grab uh, Diggs and Sanders if you want. Beasley, I don't really like to go with in GPP because 
I like how the points add up for guys like him and Crowder and cash, but uh, I like to be a little over the top and a 4,900, you might as well pay up for Sanders, but you can pretty much go any way you want with all the pass catchers, especially with Dawson Knox out with, uh, with Buffalo, but uh, Josh Allen at 8,100, uh, love him in GPP, love him in cash. He's just across the board. It's hard to see him not dominating. Yeah. It's amazing how far the Miami defense has fallen from grace. We've actually had a few, Defenses last year that played really well, we thought would carry over, right, with San Francisco and Washington, Miami, that we thought would be these hardcore, you know, tough defenses. Miami defense, 29 and a half points a game, 415 yards, more than six yards a play, allowing 39 yards to drive, a 77% drive success rate, 39 pass attempts, 26 completions, 297 pass yards a game. And Matt, I've been building a triple slash for wide receivers, man, Emmanuel Sanders really jumping off the page. So if we were to consider target percentage, air percentage, and a dot as input stats, wow, Sanders is a misprint. 18.3% target share, 32.5% of the air yards, and a 17 and a quarter a dot. Wow. Those input stats are really jumping off the page when you consider the matchup. So I think you really got to look at Sanders, like you mentioned. He's definitely a candidate to get behind the defense at least once. Miami has been vulnerable to that. So I don't know if I could cover the two touchdowns. We're probably in lockstep, but I do think Buffalo handles their business. Speaking of handling their business, another gigantic spread. Every week it seems to feel like the Rams are playing somebody terrible. I think you said this last week, and it just continues to carry over. The Rams are going to Houston, Matt, 14 and a half point favorites. The big thing here is that Tyrod Taylor is back. Why don't you lead us off 47 and a half point total? So the people are expecting more than five points from the Texans. What do you think? <laughs> all right. Um, all right. This, this, I'll start off with this. Uh, everyone's expecting this to be like this monster win for the Rams. But remember, this is fantasy football, not football. You got to take context into effect. So you're starting with Matthew Stafford, who you assume is this, this massive smash play. He only cost 7,600. That's actually not bad. Yeah. Uh, uh, but the, the matter of the fact is the Texans held Kyler Murray to being a QB eight. Uh, when he faced the Texans, he, he, Josh Allen was held to QB 13. And uh, I know what you're thinking. Is the Texans defense good? No, they're horrible. But the, the P teams get get up and they run the ball. Texans yeah. have allowed over a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns on the ground. That's the league worst for both. So Jarrell Henderson, come on down. Uh, you are in my lineup. I don't even care how much you cost. 6,500? What? What? He's going to be the most owned player of the entire week, I believe. He should be. What the hell are you thinking, DraftKings? He busted out last week a little bit, and I think that's the reason. Everyone piled on him, and even though he had 18 carries, he only had something like 65 total yards. I know, but who the hell cares? (laughs) I mean, yeah, fire up Henderson in every, every lineup you can possibly fit him in. Uh, Start him twice if you can. Stafford, though, I wouldn't want to play him, but at 7,600, you can you can probably afford to to go there. I'm probably not going to because I I, I don't you know Henderson's not really a pass catching back the kind of guy that I would like to necessarily um, pair with him. But I mean he does see targets six targets last week versus Detroit three targets versus the Giants one versus Seattle six versus Arizona five versus Indy. So you could almost go that that route like I usually like to go the cute way. And because Stafford's cost so less, I, I think he can maybe move that direction. The problem is, if you want to come back with another wide receiver to do a true stack, you got Cooper Cup, who is priced at nine 
thousand dollars. And you, uh, you know us on this show, we like to get that four times qualifier. So there's no mm-hmm. way you can play Cooper Cup other than the fact that he has passed that for two weeks in a row. Unbelievable. 37 and 40.6, uh, nine catches for 130 yards. But it takes two touchdowns, right? Yeah, it two takes touchdowns. Two, yeah, but I think that's the point that we're making. Mm-hmm. In order to get that, it takes two touchdowns for him to barely clear the bar. And uh, against Detroit, 10 catches. 156 yards, two touchdowns. Can he get there? Sure. But that's his freaking ceiling, folks. I mean, how much could you expect out of a guy? It's unfair. So Cooper Cup, I know this hurts, everyone. Get out a pen, a red pen, mark his name off. You cannot start Cooper Cup in GPP. It's unnecessary. In cash, you can do whatever you want. It's still inadvisable, but he's probably the wide receiver for one for the week. As If I had to bet on anyone um, having a monster game, it's definitely Cooper Cup. So keep him around for cash. GPP, get rid of him. Um, the, uh, the other problem is, uh, Ro- I mean, Robert Woods, he is 6,300 and I think that's fine enough, except the problem is I think that they're going to be going to a run game more. If I think Cooper cup against, uh, Tavares Thomas, the Texan slot corner, he's going to just wreck him so much. I don't expect there to be a whole lot of other maybe targets to go around, uh, where I'd want to pay for them. So, um, Robert Woods, 6,300 Van Jefferson, 3,900, uh, could be a fine enough sneaky playing GPP, but I'm not going to go there. If anything, I like Tyler Higby. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, you're going to try to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And then you get in close quarters, um, to the red zone that leaves open your, um, your, your slot, your Cooper cup and your tight end. Tyler Higby is the most likely, um, as the most likely guys over the middle. So I think that those are, are nice spots there. So I think that uh, to recap entirely on the um, Ram side, I would want to fade Stafford, but he's cheap enough to use Uh, Darrell Henderson. Absolutely a smash play. You must play him everywhere. um, Regardless of how much you think the ownership is going to be Cooper cup cash only GPP. That's too rich. Robert Woods is a nice GPP play bad in cash. Van Jefferson is a punt if you just need to, a cheap option. And Tyler Higby, I think, at 4500 is maybe a little expensive. We'll probably have preferred options. But if you wanted to stack up Stafford, I think that's a sneaky way to do it as well. On the Texan side, I want nothing. No? Nope. Um, I mean, now that Mark Ingram is on the Saints, David Johnson becomes somewhat interesting. But Tyrod Taylor is back uh, for the first time, and I, I can't imagine him having a – Having a smooth, having a smooth, smooth sailing versus the Rams defense. I just expect this to go all bad. And Brandon Cooks is pretty much going to be taken completely out of the game by Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey has one job: screw with Brandon Cooks because there's no one else to bother with. And uh, I mean, basically, what if you're the if you're the Rams defense? What are you doing? You're sending you're sending your uh, your number one defender after Tyrod Taylor to ruin his day. Then you're having Jalen Ramsey shut down Brandon Cooks, and then you're stacking the box against David Johnson. How can Houston get anything going in this? Uh, it's gonna it's actually gonna be. Through Cooks, right? It would have to be through Cooks. Can't, though. Jalen Ramsey's well, just better than Cooks. The, the Rams, they've really struggled against one so far this year. Uh, worst in the league with 10 targets, bottom three in the league with 92 yards allowed. And then when you look at the log, yeah, they've, they've, they've gotten beat up. You know, my, Michael Pittman went for um eight for 123. Mike Evans went eight for 106. Yeah, but you are you are mentioning teams that have uh that don't they don't really have a wide receiver one. They have many. <laughs> yeah, I mean Metcalf is five for ninety-eight. Yeah, but uh, he has Shepard, Lockett. I mean, well, you're talking Shepard. about you're talking about guys that do have legitimate other. Well, but now we're getting to the last two. 
where Shepard went 10 for 76. He was the only player on the field. And then Khalif Raymond went six for 115. And he was the, he's clearly, he's the only guy on the field. So yeah, the, uh, the, the X, the X is done well. Um, like even on team I, three, I, I think nowhere. you're being kind calling Khalif Raymond a one. I, I'm <laughs> talking, well, I'm talking about defensive. Att- <laughs> yeah. I'm ta- there's a difference between the one performer, a top and option, defensive, yeah. well, no, he's not uh, defensive attention. I'll give you that. He's not a, tr- he's not, no, no, he's not a true X, but he was the clear one in the passing game. Now, granted yeah. it doesn't get the Ramsey treatment, but I don't think Ramsey has been that great. Ramsey um, doesn't typically shadow people. I should say for everyone. Yeah. Uh, the only problem with the, 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 I'm wondering, he does sometimes. And I'm just wondering against the Texans where they literally only have the one guy to worry about. Why wouldn't you try to remove him? Because there's no one else to worry about literally. Yeah. I mean, maybe they just kind of toy with it, but the, the, the chink in the armor for the Rams has been uh, the pasty, but they do get to the quarterback. So he, um, Houston has just been middle of the road as far as protecting him. Taylor's a little bit hard to get to. So the Rams have allowed 41 attempts, but now that's a function of the offense, really. But 27 completions, 262 yards for the air. So it, 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 there is a pathway there, and it's not for Houston to win, but I think there is a pathway for there for them to keep it close. Um, when Taylor at the helm, they really are just a, a, a different team. And again, I don't think they're world beaters by any stretch. I think the focus here is where you were getting at, Matt, with Henderson, and it has to do with how poorly the Texans' run D is, right? So not only, like you were mentioning, not only do they fall behind, and then other teams kind of switch to the run, then they're extremely successful. Houston's allowing 4.91 adjusted line yards. I think that's worst in the league. 146 rushing yards, five and a quarter running back yards per carry. So yeah, it's Henderson all day, every day. But Matt, how about this? For the people that are anti-tremendous ownership, I was checking the prop line is set at 81 and a half. So you think Henderson gets north of that easy, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 81 yards is, uh, I mean, it's high. It is. It's not, it's not, a, a lot of people think it's not. It is. <laughs> no, it's high. It's high, but before last week's kind of meh, it was 89, 82, and 78 in the last three. So he is right around that, and this is the best of these matchups. This has the big spread, but so did last week against the Lions. But again, the double butt is generally, I want to go back to the well and kind of buy low. So I think we're unlocked up on this one. Maybe not so much on Cooks. I think, man, I think at the price, I think at 5700 I think he's worth a look. We'll circle back at the end to see if we if there's other people that prefer. You know me, I'm mad. I'm not uh, really too stubborn. If you could sell me on something, hey, I'll go there. Uh, garbage time's a magical place. Uh, yeah. You know, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. If you end up seeing soft coverage, that's one... Cooks is the kind of guy in one drive, he can get you there. You mentioned the four-time multiplier. Being below 6000 you know, the the pathway to 25, and that's generally how I like to view it, Matt, right? There's nine positions, but eight positions. One is the defense. And if you can get eight by 25, you're at 200. You know, so needing 20, um, needing 25 from a receiver, really just not that crazy because 100 gets you the bonus. So 100 is really 13. So, you know what? You know, six for 100 and the score is right there. So I think the pathway is there. I, I do understand. You know, your, I, 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 you know what? I, I wanted to talk myself on what you were saying. And I know a lot of people are going to like cooks at that price. I guess my, just my final thought on it is I, like you said, garbage time, anything can happen. Um, being the only wide receiver on the field is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. That means you're getting all the targets. The defensive attention is made up for in the targets you receive. You end up getting there, but you got to 
we want them to find the end zone. And oh, man, I just don't see the Texans even getting there. Uh, that's the, that's the big problem is like, you need some help. And I see David Johnson and Philip Lindsay going nowhere. None of the other pass catchers. I see Jordan Eakins, Farrell Brown. I don't see anyone going anywhere. So it's just a matter of, and if it's Taylor's first game back, I mean, maybe, you know, he surprised people earlier in the season. Yeah. Maybe he can make something happen. I think my problem with cooks, maybe is mostly to do with, I don't see him getting any help to get him into the red zone. Right. You know what I mean? So anyway, we can move on. I don't need wait, to spend wait, time telling, thing. telling everyone why the Rams are going to beat the Texans. But have you seen, but the last thing cooks triple slash is yeah. absurd. 32% of the team targets, 48% of the team air yards and a 12 and a quarter a dot. I mean, if you're into input stats and you're getting the quarterback back, then I think cooks is Matt, leave us off in the next one. This is the, I mentioned disappointing teams, disappointing defenses, two of the most disappointing teams right now in the league. San Francisco 49ers are four point favorites in a 40 point total, right? And oh, the over under set at 40 going to Chicago. What do you think, man? This is, this just has slop fest. I mean, a 40 point total really says it all. You like anything here? It's the shit bowl. Um, yeah. <laughs> 49ers versus the bears. Let's see. You can race, race to the, the lowest scoring total. I mean, I don't know. This thing's going to be like 21 to 17, maybe. I don't know. Something horrible. at a high end, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can't start either a quarterback. He can't, no. uh, Jimmy Garoppolo just sucks. Justin Fields. They haven't proven to actually use him in the way that he should be used. Uh, you know, this could be a game where you're like, all right, everyone's breaking out. Let's, let's stack up uh fields, Herbert and, uh, and I don't know, Alan Robinson, Darnell Mooney, but don't do it. It's a trap. Uh, he's, he's unplayable. All of them. They're unplayable. Uh, Darnell Mooney at least has the, the, the eye of, um, of J- Justin Fields, but not yep. enough for me to give a crap. Uh, I, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be vague about this. It's just, no. th- there is nothing that Matt Nagy has done with Justin Fields on the field yep. to make us think that there's going to be anything better uh, going on this week versus the 49ers that have, you know, I mean, they haven't had their typical pass rush, the 49ers that they, they typically have, uh, but you know, still good enough to rattle up uh, whatever the heck the bears are putting out there. Elijah Mitchell on one side. I mean, it looks like he's absolutely the guy in San Francisco finally, but he doesn't really get the ball through the air. And, you know, like, uh, um, he's played in four weeks. He's only has four targets in total. Yeah. So, I mean, he, you know, he, he's, Week one, 19 carries for 104 yards. Week seven, he came back, 18 carries for 107 yards. But without the the catching floor and the ability to actually get downfield, George Kittle's still out. Jimmy Garoppolo's still terrible. I, I can't go with him um, even even at uh, 5,400. I ain't doing it. Khalil Herbert is somewhat interesting. He can make things uh, – he can kind of get things done. Uh, you know, he he actually carved up the bucks a little bit. Uh, 18 carries. That was a eight- shock. Yeah, 18 carries, 100 yards, five catches, 33 yards. I mean, that's hard to do. So um, it looks obvious that uh, he's the guy over Damian Williams. The only problem is that Damian was coming off COVID. It's possible that he just get edged in a little more. They're they're at 5,400 and 5,300, but Herbert, obviously, the guy who's more electric. So I would say if you wanted to do something cute in – um, GPP Khalil Herbert is the target in this game. I like the most. And after that, I mean, you got Debo who does amazing stuff from week to week, but at 7,400, uh, in this low scoring game, I, I don't think I'm going to go there either because I just don't see San Francisco really moving around much. So Debo is always a possibility as just a superstar, but 
yeah, I just, I don't like this game. I don't like it at all. And um, I mean, kind of Cole Komet <laughs> at 3,100. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's cheap enough where he gets enough work. Um, you know, the, over the last couple of weeks, he saw six targets, five targets. Uh, he's got caught five and four catches. If he finds the end zone, this one, he could pay off big. So I think uh, if you're looking for a cheap tight end, Cole Komet's as good as any. So maybe, you know, a couple of, a uh, couple of the bears uh, I like here and, and Komet and Herbert just for GPP purposes or cheap option purposes, but nothing I'm excited about. How about the betting? How about the betting side? You like the Niners to win? Do you like them to cover? Um, I was saying the spread is four points. And unfortunately, people, listen, we always do the quick lesson every time. Hopefully, there's a couple of new listeners. Welcome to you. You got to do the math. So the 49ers being cover, uh, four-point favorites, unfortunately, Matt, the money line is minus 200. So that's you know, $50 a point. You cannot pay that, but you can't pay $50 a point. So Matt, my question is it's either, do you like the 49ers to cover by four or just leave this one alone? I'd leave it alone. And you wouldn't go over the 40, right? You're just not expecting it. Hey, I wouldn't bet the bear. I wouldn't bet the bears ever. Um, yeah, I mean, the either. way they, the way they play. Yep. Um, and the 49ers are kind of crawling into that same ter- territory. You just don't yep. know what you're going to get. Uh, I, and it's the, the, the point total is low enough where you can't even bet the under, which I'd love right. to. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, for me, let me take a whack at this. Yeah, it's a bit of a mush, but with Garoppolo uh, back, I he loves Debo Samuel. So that's always on the table. Debo, of course, his triple slash is awesome. 30% target share, 31% air yards. The A dot a bit low at eight, but he's really good after the catch and the volume is there. My problem has been, you know, Chicago's D against the pass has been excellent. Uh, Minus 3% pass DVOA on defense. They have 21 sacks. I think that's a league lead. They have a 9% adjusted sack rate. I believe that leads the league. They're only allowing 20 completions a game for less than 220 yards. And, man, I forget the youngster's name. They've been excellent, excellent, excellent against the opposing number one. And where I didn't have a very strong argument when I was doing that before, uh, Matt, this one, the Bears shut down Devontae Adams in that game where people thought Adams was going to go absolutely bananas. He did not. The Bears' pass D has been good. The Bears' run D has not. So that's where I think I have my eyebrow raised. And I think I am into Elijah Mitchell. That one is kind of interesting because he's exactly the same price as Herbert. Now, it's not that I dislike Herbert. I just think the 49ers' run D is better, which it is. They allow below four adjusted line yards. They have a minus 17% rush DVOA. Those are both in the top third, allowing less than four running back yards per attempt. Now, that's not to say they're impervious, but I don't think the Bears do enough through the air to make the 49ers abandon a stuck a stack box. So I am off of the Bears' offense outright, and I think you make a good point with Williams. Herbert will not be ignored. He's been too good. He might surrender third down work to Williams. The reason I like Mitchell so much, the Bears' defense, as good as they've been against the pass, they've been very poor against the run, 4.9 adjusted line yards allowed, 27 attempts for 122 rush yards, 4.65 running back yards per attempt, which is how the 49ers like to get it done through the conventional run game. They've shown they're not afraid to give Mitchell, you know, he's had at least 17 carries three times. He's got over 100, two of those. So I'm really getting away from this game outright, except for Mitchell. I think with the usage and the matchup, and what I like about DraftKings, he has that red number 10. Those numbers don't really align with mine as far as the I really like Mitchell, and that's it. I'm going to get away 
from Debo Sam. Next one, Matt. How about you lead us off again in the AFC divisional matchup? This one's super interesting. Titans against Colts because the point spread has swung. And not only has it swung, Matt, it swung through zero more than once already. So this one opened the Titans were favorite. The Colts were favorite. And that's where it's hung right now. The Colts are two and a half point favorites right now. I think the Titans were two and a half point favorites when it opened. I'm not exactly sure what the public sees that they love about the Colts so much. I've been betting on the Colts. I like them as being, quote unquote, a complete team, though I don't think they're world beaters. I think they just do enough of everything. The Titans, man, man, they're on a roll right now. I've been betting Moneyline dogs. Really hard to ignore the Titans just going on a quality basis. One of the better underdogs is talked about this one a divisional game people looking at taylor people looking at henry people looking at brown Pittman. what do you got in this one you think they shoot it out last point the totals at 51 so the public is expecting a lot of scoring yeah i am too um it's it's difficult to play this game in dfs uh, because there's so many um there's so many intriguing options and they all kind of play against each other. Derek Henry at an 8,900, which, you know, whatever at this point, uh, he's found the end zone three times in three separate games, which is insane. So that makes playing the rest of the team very difficult. If you have this guy that can literally um, occupy the end zone, it's basically, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's very difficult to fade Derek Henry at any price. So if you're playing in cash, you can probably have a piece of him always at 8,900. He's going to, he's going to do his thing, even though Indy's a little tougher on the ground, they suck through the air. Um, Ryan Tannehill is going to go have like, I think have a, have probably his best game of the year. I think in, in this one, I think the recipe is finally there where they're, they're kind of banging on all, all cylinders. He uh, attempted on average. He's like 27, 22, 29, 27 attempts. He, he, he threw 49 times versus the jets in week four, 40 times versus the Seahawks on the road, both on the road in week two. So I think it's going to be a little closer to that one. I think that he's going to be throwing the ball 30, 40 times in this one. The only problem being that I don't know if um, you want to completely lean on any kind of a stack here. Like you can always put him with 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 uh, with AJ Brown, not Julio, who's a shell of himself. But Tannehill at sixty six hundred, and then you come back with uh, AJ at sixty nine hundred. It's actually a little expensive um, for what they are. I mean, like you said earlier, we think it's just seventy one hundred for Burrow. Uh, I believe I said. Um, but I, I love the matchup here. I absolutely love AJ Brown for 6,900. I actually think maybe, maybe that is a tick low for him. So a standalone, I definitely like it, but you can definitely pair them two up because obviously if AJ Brown's catching it, um, Ryan Hanhill is throwing it and Ryan Tannehill has also sh- shown the ability to, uh, get in the end zone on the ground. He scored the last two weeks. So I think that, um, I like that pairing up there. I don't, want to bring it back with any other player as far as uh, making it a full stack Julio. I don't trust. And I don't think you really want to stack up Derrick Henry in that one. I mean, he's, he's, he, he, he saw six targets in one week, but every other than that, you know, he's basically on the ground. If Derrick Henry's having a monster game, that's not good for your other guys. So it's like kind of counterintuitive to bother. But uh, on the other side of the ball, Carson Wentz is fine uh, against a Titans offense, a Titans defense that is not very good. They're allowing 2.3 passing touchdowns per game, which is like the third highest uh, in the NFL. Uh, Michael Pittman is solid. I don't like T.Y. Hilton. Just like I pretend he doesn't exist. And that's worked out well for me uh, pretty, pretty well. <laughs> 
5,300 for Michael Pittman, I think is, uh, is completely fine. He's not seeing the amount of targets you want to see. I mean, only four last week versus San Francisco, but again, 105 yards and a touchdown Houston the week before three targets for only 35 yards week before seven targets for 89. So it's just not consistent enough for me, but I do expect this to be a pretty big shootout. So I think at the price, Michael Pittman's 5,300, he seems like a, a sharp enough play for me and the tight ends. Um, I think I like some of the other ones we bet more. Mo Ali Cox is fine at 3,200, I think, as well as uh, the the uh, the the Colts don't really have a ton of weapons through the air that are elite. But it's all going to go through Jonathan Taylor, who I think is uh, the the guy uh, again at 7,200. He's probably one of my favorite plays of the entire week. I'm not sure what he's done in recent weeks to actually deserve the low price. I think he's actually deserve deserves to be up there in the eights um, now. Uh, the last three weeks, he's uh, 15, was it uh, since week four, 16 carries, 103 yards and a touchdown. Um, saw himself three targets. Week five, only 15 carries for 53 yards, but four catches for 116. Then 14 on the ground for 145 and two, two catches. Uh, then wow. San Francisco, 18 on the ground, 18 uh, rushes for 107 and a score and three targets as well. So. And he did fumble a couple times last week. I don't think that matters. This isn't an Andy Reid situation where he's going to be banished, or I, uh, I should say, Bill Belichick. Um, so Jonathan Taylor, beast. Uh, Naheem yeah. Hines, ignore. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do here. Um, everything. So what is this? Hold on. So Matt. So it sounds like you almost. And I think that makes sense. Is especially if depending, right? If you're taking the, this is going to be a close division game. Then I think you have to go with Jonathan Taylor. And I think if you're saying this one is going to be the 51-point total, then I think you're going kind of Pittman and Brown. And that's where I've been on this one. You almost have to choose, right, like choose your own adventure kind of? Yes. The whole, the whole thing is, though, uh, it's going to be high scoring and close. So Taylor and Henry are going to be involved in the entire time as well. So it could be anywhere. So it's it's a matter of this this game will have high ownership. You just got to have to pick – you just got to make sure, like I said um, – you know, you don't want to go with Tannehill and Brown and Henry. You're you're betting against yourself. If you wanted to go with Wentz and Taylor and Pittman, that can kind of work a little more if you wanted to get cute. So I think you just got to think to yourself, how do I think this game is going to go? Kind of like you said, choose your own adventure. You got to list literally follow along. Choose a narrative that makes sense. Uh, I think this maybe makes a little more sense to. Um, maybe pick and choose your favorite and do a couple of standalones. But you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of stacking possibility. It's just the problem is it can go, uh, it can go a totally different way on you. And I said, I, I threw Julio Jones out, which is going to come back to completely haunt me probably. Uh, but you know, there's just so many people that get involved here. Yeah. Both of these defenses have had their struggles against the pass. You know, the Colts are, are just not getting to the quarterback and that's going to kill you. And a guy like Tannehill is effective when he can stay on his spot, and then we've seen the Tennessee Titans D. The line play has been very bad. They're allowing 38 attempts, 25 completions, and 275 yards a game through the air, and they've just gotten towards, you know, number ones, uh, averaging 80 yards a game. It's and it's hard it's hard not to get behind Pittman and Brown. For me, again, I think I may have those two parallel narratives running in two different stacks, and that's okay, people. And one of the one of my favorite parts about DFS is just that that you could 
choose two different adventures and roll them both out. And now they're probably not both going to hit at the same time, but they can be really different and you still could get one of them. And Matt, just the triple slash and the two number ones, crazy. AJ Brown, 25% target share, 39% air yard, a 13 A dot. Wow. Michael Pittman right there with him, 22.5% target share, 36% air yard, 11.3 A dot. They both have over 555 air yards. Pittman has 150 more receiving than Brown. He's been awesome, like you said, in limited opportunities. But if you're efficient and Wentz is kind of getting healthy, and I think we're seeing that rapport build. So, yeah, I like. I think I like the – I don't know, man. I've been having trouble picking the winner. I can't really get to the 51 total in these division games because both teams like to run so much. So just a couple field goals for me kind of spoil the 51. I'm having a tough time, but maybe the Titans pull it off. Let's move it on. Uh, AFC North. Pittsburgh Steelers are now three and a half point underdogs in Cleveland who are saying they should have Mayfield back. The total here is 42.5, extremely low total. We know anytime the Steelers are on the field, you should be expecting a low total. Matt, they've only averaged 19 and a half points a game. They move very slowly, 29 seconds per play, only getting 31 yards per drive. They've struggled running the ball, 21 attempts for 81 yards. Really bad. It hasn't stopped them from giving Harris. Last I checked, about 85 touches a game. They do protect Ben, and that helps him operate with the short pass game. You know, he can be efficient when he needs to be. But Pittsburgh, pretty ugly. I can't get behind Cleveland as much as the run game. The pass offense is atrocious. They have nobody there to catch the ball. I actually think Pittsburgh is going to win this. I was surprised to see, Matt, they opened up a two-and-a-half point favorite. It's moved to three-and-a-half. So I'm going to keep trailing it. And if it gets to four, I'm going to wait. If it goes to four and a half, I'm going to wait. But right now, I like Pittsburgh with the points and maybe win it outright. I don't generally like to touch games with these very low totals. And they have slow-paced teams. The Browns also move very slowly at 30 seconds of play. And we know they love to run, run, run. Chubb is back, which kind of hurts Johnson, you got to think as good as he looked, he gets some. I'm really off this game outright. What do you like? Uh, nothing. I don't like anything <laughs> here. Um, I think Najee Harris is someone who gets enough work where you can constantly look his way. But uh, he, he is 7,500. So, you know, on the ground, he's not exactly capped at efficiency. But the last couple of weeks Den- at Denver, 23, 23 carries, 122 yards. At Seattle, 24 carries, 81 yards. He, he finds, he found the end zone in four of the last five weeks, you know, either through the air or on the ground, he kind of splits right. it up there and he's constantly seeing a massive amount of targets, even seeing 19 ones versus wow. the Bengals in, in <laughs> wow. week three. So I think Najee Harris is someone you can always kind of mix in. Um, I think that I, I like Deontay Johnson always. I think the Browns uh, kind of contain wide receivers, uh, especially star ones, but I think Deontay Johnson's a special beast that. Uh, can is uh that can unless you're unless you're literally shadowing him with elite production 6700 is a little low for me to fade yeah. him ever he, he's constantly seeing double digit targets outside of the one week where he was injured so uh yeah i think that uh, he is a nice play to explode at all times but now yeah, that's, that's i mean that's about it i don't like ben ever obvious for obvious reasons baker mayfield sucked and I, you know, you don't know what to expect out of the backfield for Cleveland where Nick Chubb's back. You don't know what the split's going to be with him. And uh, it's just, there's just nothing there as far as a safety net that I am uh, really comfortable uh, putting my money on. So, and Odell Beckham Jr. I'm no longer on. Jarvis Landry is again, uh, you know, one of those guys I said for like the Crowder type, the, the Beasley type. I don't really like him in GPP. So 
Yeah, it's nothing. And the, the yeah. tight ends, Pat Freermuth, Austin Hooper, David Njoku, nothing. There's nothing to like here. I think, you know, it's it's Pittsburgh, Cleveland. It's always it's always a rough game, and I expect it to be just another one. Except you can't even you can't even count on the stars because you know, so most of them are banged up. Yeah, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's pretty good on defense with the front seven, minus 21% rush DVOA. They have one of the highest uh pass rushing grades via PFF. You know, holding opponents about 100 rushing yards on the ground. Not to say they're going to be able to smush Cleveland, but I just think all of that, like you're saying, leads into being really close. And the last point I had in this one, Matt, is I think, man, I think with all the analysis and all the information flying around and all statistics and everything, and a week to rewatch all these games, break them down, I think people just get away from themselves as far as handicapping. You know, this is something I do professionally. A lot of these games to me, Matt, are a lot closer to 50-50 than we want to admit. And this is another good point uh, where I mentioned the pricing, you know, plus three and a half. They're at plus 165. That's a good value. Take the 165. You may even get a sprinkle of both if you're afraid of it. But I just don't see why plus 165. I think this is a Steelers. You know, the Browns, we've seen that offense, the bottom of it with Mayfield being hurt. And then one, you know, one bad hit, he lands on the shoulder. He's going to be wearing a brace, I think. And he, man, he, he's just in sound. He's right. And then Keenum looked awful. So I, I don't know, man. I, I think the uh, the the public kind of pulls lines into places where you just kind of bet the odds. So I think the Steelers pull this one off, although in an ugly fashion. Speaking of ugly fashions, who's uglier than the Philadelphia Eagles? Wow, man, it's funny, Matt. I think we both get to take simultaneous victories on Jalen Hurts. I was firmly behind him being a productive fantasy quarterback. You were firmly behind him not being very good at real-life football. We both look pretty right on that one, right? Eagles three-and-a-half-point favorites in Detroit. Take us 48-and-a-half-point total pretty high. What do you think? You smelling uh, the high scoring that the public likes, or do you think the bad offenses kind of shine through? I think the bad offenses will shine through. Uh, everyone asks me every week. I do this I do this weekly Q&A for The Athletic. Everyone's like, what should I do with Jalen Hurts? I'm like, he scores like 20-plus fantasy points every week. And don't watch the game. That's your mistake. Don't watch the game. <laughs> Uh, if you watch the game, you get sucked into the to the to the black hole that is Jalen Hurts being terrible. Wait, hold uh, on, hold on. Is 55, 55 passing yards at the half? Is that not good? <laughs> <laughs> I, he literally just finds a way, like you know, Jurassic Park. Life finds a way. He will, he will get to twenty plus fantasy. It's a guarantee. It's it's just that you know, it's it's who knows what it's going to happen, and uh, you know, he, he may have to do some dastardly things to make it come true. Um, other than Jalen Hurts, though, you can't count on any of it. You can't, as much as I love Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Rager, Kez Watkins occasionally does well. He, he, you never, he, he's getting a lot of this stuff done on the ground. I mean, I think, I think yeah. he has the highest percentage of, um, of touchdowns on the ground of any of any quarterback easily in the league. And that really makes de depending on his other wide receivers really tough here. So, I mean, you can always just go with Smith because he is like such a talent, but I think that's kind of a risky, risky proposition here, even at 5,500. Um, if you wanted to stack him up, he's definitely the guy because he still sees 10 since week four, 10 targets, nine targets, four targets, nine targets. I mean, he's, he gets the ball and like yep. still in that time, he's 61 yards, 71, 77 yards. And he's had a couple of touchdowns called back. So, if you wanted to go there, you can always stack up Hertz at 7,200, which isn't bad for what he does, and then uh, go ahead and pair him with Devontae Smith at 5,500. That's probably um, that's probably kind of sharp, to be honest. So I think that that is uh, some direction you could go. The the, mm -hmm. the running backs I want no part of on the 
on the Eagles side with Miles Sanders out, I think that you're looking at Gainwell and Boston Scott kind of like cutting this thing up a bit between them. Even Jordan Howard can see some work. Uh, so I'm not really going there either. DeAndre Swift is someone that you can never fade. Uh, he, right. he was limited in practice with a groin. He's going to play though. Uh, he, he's seen double digit carries the last three weeks. Doesn't get a whole lot of work on the ground. Jamal Williams is still, you know, getting a lot of that work, but again, he's seeing, he hasn't seen less than six targets um, since week two when he saw five targets again, 96 yards through the air, 43, 53, 33, 60 in PPR formats. I mean, this guy has a, a nice baked in floor of six yeah. points uh, with, uh, I mean, with probably at least, 40 yards to the ground. So, I mean, you're looking at a floor of 10 points that's just given to you. So, I mean, that's really hard to overlook. Again, some of these, yeah. he can he can go up and down, but having that floor is pretty insane. So in this game, I would say against the Eagles, he is someone that I would probably be uh, definitely looking to put in, uh, definitely in cash. And the Eagles have allowed the fifth most fantasy points to opposing running backs. So I think, I think Swift is maybe one of my favorite plays the entire weekend. So, um, and then Dallas Goddard, he's, uh, you know, without Zach Ertz there, he is, he's someone that uh, is definitely deserving of your attention as well. He is coming in at, uh, 4,700. So it's not exactly on the cheap end, but I think that that is a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty nice, um, pretty nice matchup to be a part of because he's going to be seeing a whole lot of time. Yeah. I, you know, my initial math took me right to Deandre Swift. And then as I was digging, I, Sometimes when you end up on a fade, and I'll preface it, I, I am off of Swift now, but it's like at my own risk, and I kind of know that. And it had to do with me building the narrative, like I mentioned before, with Indianapolis and Tennessee. There's always multiple directions a game can go. So you kind of have to decide what you think. Now, here's the thing with Detroit. As good as Swift has been, it's all been in the fourth quarter. So this one, I, you know, even a Vegas agrees should be close, right? This is the first time the Lions have been only three-point dogs, have been underdogs the entire year. And it's because the Eagle run D is so poor, right? So minus 2% rush DVOA on defense, 4.92 adjusted line yards allowed. That's second worst in the league. 32 attempts for 133 on the ground, 4.5 running back yards per attempt. And they don't sack the quarterback. They've only had 11 sacks. Though the line grade is is pretty good. The defensive line is not terrible against the pass. They do get hurries and pressures, but they, they haven't closed. But the run game is what I'm looking at. And now if you flip that and you stick with that, Detroit trying to capitalize on We see a, man, we've really seen a divergence in usage in the Detroit backfield. So depending on your interpretation, I think that is where – you know, the, your opinion on this weekend lies. So right off the bat, Swift was the uh, leader to begin, but it was close. Uh, week three, 56 to 49%. That's really close, almost even split. But the last three weeks with the Lions kind of behind, Swift had a minimum of 73% of the snaps. Jamal Williams had a maximum of 32% of the snaps. And we've seen that the last four weeks now. So it looks like a clear divergence in usage. But a lot of those, I think, are script-dependent. You know, they fell behind in those games, and in the fourth quarter, it was all swift. But I think this one, they're going to try and lead with William. And if they're able to keep it close, he's we see one of the games with the higher Williams, like we saw earlier on in the middle of the year. But I'm not that sold. I am scratching my chin. So I'm kind of feeding swift to my own detriment, like I said, hoping that this one is closer than I thought as far as the Eagles goes. If you have the money, I think you can go with Hertz. But if not, I'm with Smith. And the reason is this. Lions have only allowed 20 completions a game 
because of the game script. But it's deep work, Matt. They're allowing nine yards per attempt over 13 yards per completion. I think those are both worst in the league. And then when you look at the Devonta Smith triple slate, 23% of the targets, 38% of the air yards, 13 and a quarter A dot. All that lines up for some deep shots of Devontas that I think he seals the so I, I see it. If you're right about Swift, I'm just letting it go because of the price. You know, he finally cracked 7,000 for the first time this year, which I think is justified. But at the four times multiplier, he's got to get to 28. And I don't know if he does it in a close game. You didn't speak to the spread. I'm curious with the spread in the, in the total, man. Eagles to win, Eagles to cover. It's only three and a half, so it is very close. Or do you, and do you think this one gets to the shootout 49 points? Uh, I'll take the under, and I will take the Lions to win. Ooh, line outright win. Man, there's, there's pretty good reason. You want to expand on it real quick? Uh, the Lions are a heck of a lot better than they have shown. That I mean, that yeah. and the Eagles... I think are legitimately a lot worse than they have shown. Okay. They have real problems and there's rumors that they are. They, I mean, they traded for, um, who did they just trade for the quarterback? Uh, Flack, Joe Flacco to get Flacco back. No, wasn't that my jet? Who the heck got? You've been talking about Minshew. The Eagles are rolling. No, 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 they have Minshew. I, I feel like they traded for another quarterback also to be a backup, whatever the case may be. Uh, they've been talking about Gardner Minshew, um, being kind of groomed to be the starter yes, sooner or later. On, yeah. So uh, there's uh, there's a lot going on there. They are without Miles Sanders, not the heck that they were using him at all. So I, I think that this thing is just getting kind of broken down. They're just they're just not a very good football team. And you can look at some of their games and see touchdowns being called back, but they just can't. I mean, I don't know if it's the head coach, which I know a lot of people are losing faith in, but the Lions should probably have three wins right now. By the way, you were talking about Reed Sinnott? <laughs> I had a five go digging for that one. The Eagles claim quarterback Reed Sinnett off the waivers. From- yeah, I don't know. It's it's just they. Uh, I think that they're just um, they're preparing to move on. It feels that way. Doing. It does. It well, I'll put it this way. It feels like it, the next time the Eagles are down seventeen, it maybe the last time you see Jalen Hurts. That's gonna- yeah. So that's that's a major problem. So uh, uh, that's why I wouldn't be starting Hurts maybe this week. Uh, uh, I. Uh, because those rumors are out there, I'm completely fine with Devonta Smith. Are uh, because uh, if Minshew comes in, that's like perfectly fine. Yeah, for, for Smith. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be rolling with those him. Philadelphia wideouts. Actually, probably get a boost across the board in fantasy football, right? Yeah, they absolutely would. Uh, so would uh, Miles Sanders if he <laughs> were to return. All right, cool. So Eagles and Lions. Yeah, I'm kind of stuck on this one, man. I thought I like Eagles with the points because it was moving. But this feels like the Lions' best chance of winning a game this year, I feel. That's as close to an objective opinion as you're going to get. All right, next up, we're going to the NFC South, Matt. We got Carolina Panthers. They are on a ridiculous slide right now. I mean, wow. Uh, you and, and you called it. Um, not to say that you said they were bad, but you were warning everybody about the competition level the first three. Jets, Saints, Texans. The Saints are a lot better then, but they really – the Saints are a lot better now, I should – but they were pretty poor then. And then we've seen them at, you know, Cowboys, Eagles, which are not very good. The Vikings, which are pretty good. And I said, okay, well, you know, they, they lost three in a row and the Philly game was close. They had to show out against the Giants, and the Giants put the – I walked into that one chin first. I thought the three points was way too close. Again, I don't get married to my priors. The Panthers look really bad. I watch the games. They're really bad. Going to Atlanta, Matt, who they look like they're turning the corner on offense. The Falcons' defense still really struggles, though the defensive line has looked a little bit better as of late. The Panthers have all these kind of gaudy defensive stats on the season that if you zoom in the last three, 
And to add some context, Patty, they're they're not very good. So this one smoothed also. I think the Panthers might have been favored at the outset, and then it swung to the Falcons. But regardless, Falcons are three-point favorites at home, 46.5 total. That's where I think I'm looking is at the Falcons to win this one, even to cover it up. I, I, I just I, I got to get away from Sam Donald, you know, and it's not the first time I've said this as a Jets fan. I was blaming Adam Gase when he came out looking really good. They have not looked sharp. Do you think the Panthers bounce back? I think that's the main question. Um, I don't have I don't have a whole lot of I don't have a whole lot of faith. Sam Darnold looked just just brutal. I mean, to the point oh, of being man. benched. Uh, a lot of people may want to look at. All right, it's a perfect time to bounce pass versus the Falcons, but the Falcons are looking a little bit better, more on the offensive side than the defensive side. But yeah, Sam Darnold versus this lineup, I think in in standard fantasy um he should be started this week against atlanta even though there's that risk but it's right. really tough to to play him in dfs because i don't think that there's enough here trouble hubbard is probably you know he's, he's going to be working on the ground quite a bit uh once again but he doesn't really he doesn't really move the needle uh much for you on yeah. on the side where i should say the uh, t- to helping you even from a pass catching standpoint uh, for uh, Sam Darnold or increasing your upside in the just overall playing him um, just as a standalone running back. I mean, he's five targets in week seven, six in week five, but again, uh, 28 yards, four yards, 33 yards. He, he doesn't really go a yard. He's not even really much of a yards after catch guy yep. in week five versus Philly again, versus Philly 24 carries 101 yards. And then versus Minnesota 16 for 61 did score in that one tw- 12 for 28. So I want nothing to do with Hubbard. He's just not that good. Um, Mike Davis and Cordell Patterson on the other side. You know what? Never mind. Let me let me stick with the Panthers. Uh, DJ Moore is someone. Yes, that that's is, what I wanted more. Yeah, yeah. DJ Moore is someone that's like always uh, fantastic. But a seventy-two hundred. The way Darnold's been playing. I mean, ten targets yep. last week, thirteen targets the week before. I mean, he, he, versus Philly, he was only five for seven. But then again, Dallas twelve targets, Houston twelve targets, New Orleans eight or 12, 11 targets. He's constantly, constantly getting the ball. Um, but again, 73 yards, 73 yards. Um, early in like the Sam Darnold early season heyday, uh, he, he was, he was you know, getting 113 yards, 126 yards, finding the end zone. But, you know, during bad Sam Darnold time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. During bad Sam Darnold time, he's not. He's really not getting much. He's he's kind of at seventy one hundred. He's completely touchdown dependent. If yeah. he gets you thirteen targets for seventy three yards, they ain't gonna do it. You know, they ain't gonna do it at all. So, yeah. I, easy easy fade for me even against Atlanta. Uh, Robbie Anderson's kind of you know been missing in action for much of the for much of the season, and I don't know why you would expect much to be changing here. At least he's been seeing more targets over the last four weeks: eleven, seven, eleven, nine. Uh, but again, uh, his A dot is around one. Um, this is just me guessing. I'm looking eleven targets for eleven yards. Uh, he's, I mean, he, and he's he's not getting any of them. Again, nine targets, three catches. Eleven targets, three catches. Seven targets, two catches. So yeah, Robbie Anderson sucks as well. I don't want anything to do with this uh, Carolina offense without Christian McCaffrey. On the other side, give me all of the. Uh, you can give me give me the the Atlanta Falcons. I think Calvin Ridley is overpriced as someone I think is uh, going to break out eventually. We haven't seen it at sixty six hundred. 
He's just not giving you what you need. Again, 10 targets, 11, 13, 10. This guy is basically a – I wanted to say that the, the the turnaround was coming, and it was obvious because he's among the league leaders in targets, but he's basically like a rich man's Robbie Anderson. He is seeing all these targets. He's catching hardly well, any Well, Robbie at least has the big the big home run threat, and in fact, Ridley doesn't not. He's turned into like a – gosh, for me, it almost feels like Michael Thomas, like this big kind of – possession like an overpriced kind of possession yeah and, and it would be more it would be worth it if it was like michael thomas and he caught every single target thrown his way yeah. <laughs> but if you're gonna go four for ten for 26 yards yeah uh, i don't know about that so yeah i can't go there uh, one one guy you can definitely count on is mr kyle pitts if you saw any of his highlights he's better than everyone on the field and i don't yep. know any other way to phrase it he's a tight end that's a wide receiver he's unguardable you can't double team him it ain't good enough uh he one for one play if you haven't seen him there was one person that was literally trying to get pass interference on him he was just holding onto his arm trying to pull him back so he wouldn't catch a ball and run it into the end zone kyle pitts of course has like a 19 foot wingspan so he just reaches out with his other paw and one hands it and reels it in anyway while staring <laughs> back at the other guy wondering why this mere mortal is trying to bother <laughs> so um right now he hasn't been priced up quite enough Right. He's at 6,300, which is a lot for a tight end. Not enough, I, I think, in my opinion. Uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, nine catches on 10 targets, seven catches on eight targets for 119, 163 yards. Welcome to the new norm. I think that that is what you're going to expect every single week, and they're going to learn, I think, over the last two weeks how to get him involved even more. So uh, I think this is a big-time game coming for Kyle Pitts. You can say 6,300 is too much. I say bah humbug to that. I am starting him because he's fun to root for. And uh, I think they're going to like really, I think they're going to pepper him. Think of uh, if DJ Moore was a Space Jam monster. Um, that's basically what Kyle Pitts is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at everything. I mean, first of all, he's not even lining up in line. He's, he's out wide or in the slot all the time. So like that's first thing. He's really not, he's only a tight end by leap. And you know, the, the triple slash is there, 19 target, 28 air yard, 11 a dot. I mean, doing it all, leading the team in, in focus right now. He's the guy, I think, I think he's the number one wideout on Atlanta. And I think that's what you either have to kind of adjust to, or you keep chasing the price with, with Ridley and, you know, not getting the one guy. And it's, like I said, it's just, just a matter of adjustment for me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm over now. Pitts at 63, Ridley at 66, apples to apples. I'd rather have, I'd rather have Pitts. And, you know, we've seen the Panther secondary play pretty well against wideouts in particular. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going with Pitts for he's, for me, he's a must. Every week it feels like this is the new low that you'll see him priced at, meaning it's his new high price at 6,300. But I also think it's his new low price. It's his historical low coming up, you know, until uh, DraftKings and these sites and people learn how to price it correctly for the usage. Yeah, he's just he's, not, he's nine. He's 900 more than any other tight end. incident. But, but if you look at him as for next to Travis Kelsey, it would be a smash. Right? Whenever when Travis Kelsey was seven or 73, it's a smash spot. And yeah. I think that's kind of the adjustment that I'm making. Pitt is pretty much right on that level for the usage, the workload, the focus the snaps and the, it, it, now we're talking about a close divisional game with a decently high total. Yeah. Give it to me. He's the focus of the offense. I, I love that. I was actually watching it play. You were right. Ridiculous. The other person I was really wowed by was actually quarter uh, Patterson. And if his usage sticks, 
I haven't gone there, and I'm going to just keep losing on him and missing on him until it hurts me. Now it's six point two thousand. It's not cheap anymore. But man, Patterson gets all. He looks. He looks really. Deep. All right, let's move it on, Matt. Before we're here for a year and a day, this one was my big misread, and you could lead us off. But I did want to. I was like mentioned my misread board. It's Patriots going to Los Angeles Chargers. This one opened up. The Chargers were six point favorites. Matt, it's now down to four and a half. And the total is stuck near 50. It's at 49. So the public is expecting a ton of scoring, but the money is coming in on New England and it's coming in heavy on it. I think that's a bit of recency bias. I think New England is not as good as the team that just shellacked the Jets. The Chargers are not as bad as the team that got shellacked by Baltimore. I'm going to be betting on New England, uh, Los Angeles, but but please take us away. Yeah, I would I would definitely bet uh, Los Angeles. They're a much better team. <laughs> they are. They're a much better team. I think this is. I I think the Chargers are disrespected, kind of like the way the Bengals were early season. People are finally around on the Bengals. Uh, the Chargers are much better than they've even shown, and I, I think that they will show up. Not that I think that this is a good matchup in DFS. I mean, I wouldn't want any. I, honestly, I want nothing to do with the Patriots at all. Uh, I think Mac Jones is. You know, the, the Chargers give up like maybe 200 uh, passing yards a game and uh, like less than two touchdowns, one and a half touchdowns. So I think Mac Jones and uh, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, sit them all. Damian Harris and Brandon Bolden. I mean, it's a nice little split. Nothing through the air that is worth really attacking. So uh, absolutely sit them. No reason to use them in season long or DF- DFS. Justin Herbert I like, but again, New England defense, they're like fifth, in the league in whole in, a, in opponent passer rating. Uh, I think 7,300 is what uh, Justin Herbert is listed at. If I'm not mistaken, 7,300 is a little expensive. Um, you know, same thing as the Joe Burrow situation. Love them both. It's just too damn expensive for me. Um, same thing with Mike Williams, 7,700 for someone who is touchdown dependent is as great as he has been and uh, has been good for my fantasy or for my season long teams. You know, one week again in Dallas, he has 10 targets and Cleveland, he has 16. But then in other games, Las Vegas, four targets, Baltimore, five targets. That's just not consistent enough for me to pay up at 7,700. Keenan Allen, I think, is fine at 65. But again, you're looking at him being like eight targets, 12, 11, 9, 5. He's fine, but he's just not kind of getting the, uh, you know, kind of the big plays you're hoping for. He's found the end zone one time all season. So uh, I won't be going there either. So uh, that kind of leaves that kind of leaves Austin Eckler, who I think that the, the the Patriots defense is giving up like 15 and a half fantasy points per game to running backs. But again, he's not your typical running back and he you know catches a lot of balls through the air so he can do a lot of damage. So I think at seventy nine hundred, he is someone that you could take a look at. You know, he for most weeks, he's getting well over double digit carries and he's getting at least five targets. You know, he's gotten six, seven, nine targets uh, in some weeks. So. He is someone that can definitely get you there. He's had over 30 points two of the last three weeks, just not against Baltimore. And so I can't, uh, I think in cash games, he's fine. In GPP, you could see him maybe having a big game because he can kind of create. But yeah, I, I don't really want any part of this. Uh, Hunter Henry and Jonah Smith, they split They split work, even though it is kind of the Hunter Henry show as far as production goes. And I think that Jared Cook is just a guy you throw in there if you're just in a tough spot. But for 3,400, there's other guys I'd rather play at tight end. So um, long story short, I am starting no one in this game. I just don't like the game script. I don't like the matchups. I don't like the pricing. I don't like any of it. If you're talking, you're... Oh, sorry. Yeah, so um, there are a couple pieces that I like in this one, but they're, it's really isolated. Um, if I could find money, I, I could get behind 
Mike Williams just because I think pure talent-based game-breaking potential. Anytime he's under eight, he has a potential to, to pop. But this is not really the game that I'm chasing. The pieces I like, one would be Austin Eckler, which you mentioned. Um, New England has struggled with running backs, particularly pass catcher. You, you, they're allowing 23 fantasy points a game to running back, but eight targets and 67 receiving yards to backs. That's per game. The 67 yards is bottom three. Uh, we know the Chargers have no problem, like you said, funneling the ball. Deckler, they have no problem getting him, you know, 20 touches or beyond. If they had to be, I think he had 23 touches against Cleveland. And, you know, again, he's had as many as nine catches Dallas. So my point being, Los Angeles is okay shifting focus. And since he does it all, I think he's definitely a candidate to have a big game. Also, you mentioned Hunter Henry. I really like Hunter Henry. He's been very good as of late. Now the triple slash is catching up. He's His tight end triple slash is starting to look like a wide receiver one. 14% of the target share, which is, you know, it's not elite, but it is getting there as of late. 18% of the air yards is very good. And the A dot up around nine. Those are not bad, particularly for a tight end. And he's Mac Jones's favorite red zone target. You mentioned Jonu Smith. Now, they were keying him up early in the game. But he left injured. He put in limited practices. So this is why I'm not uh, I'm not all in Henry here. But if Smith is announced out, I'm going to focus where I am. Because the Chargers have allowed, like this is kind of their MO, Matt. They like to play back and allow you to operate a bit up front. So that's translated into very productive tight end opposition play. They've given up 19.3 fantasy points a game to tight ends, 77 yards per game. So I think Henry is one of my favorite guys without John Smith. If Smith is playing, I may have to go another route, but I do think it's viable, particularly, you know, looking back at that over-under up near 50. If there's going to be points scored, you know Los Angeles can put them up. If New England is forced to throw, they're not really a deep ball kind of team. So maybe it's it's just a lots of volume to Hunter Henry. He could be in line for his best game. Yeah, this one kind of is a bit messy to me. Last thought I was wondering on your end, Matt, to what I was saying with the Chargers allowing teams to operate up close, that's translated into some very poor rush metric for the Charger defense. 8% positive rush to VOA, five adjusted line yards, 30 attempts or 163 rush yards. You didn't, we didn't really mention uh, Damian Harris, you know, who, who can be dangerous. He's had his games, although we haven't seen like the pure breakout at 6,100. Do you think he's a candidate for that four times multiplier at 24 points? Uh, no, I don't think he can quite get there. I mean, you, you think you see a uh, you see a path to him getting that? Like, I, it seems unlikely. Well, to 25, kind of difficult. He almost feels like a lock for 18 to 20 because I think 15 carries close to 100 is on deck. The problem is when he clears 100, I mean, how about this? He's gotten the bonus on DraftKings three times, Matt, never having more than 106 yards. So... It's asking for, you know, he needs the bonus because he doesn't catch a lot of balls and then you need the end zone. But 100 rushing yards is 13 and then the end zone is 19. So I feel like I guess he's a candidate for 101, but then that's a bit short. And yeah, I, 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 you know, with the pricing, without the work through the air game and if Los Angeles does get ahead, it could be the Bolden show late. So yeah, maybe, maybe just maybe, maybe Harris, not a great play. I think I'm going to cancel him out. Uh, Let's go next one. Bit of ugly here. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road, three-and-a-half-point dogs to the Seattle Seahawks, 44-point total right in the middle. I'm not touching it. Matt, spoiler, I think the Jaguars win this, and I think I'm going with Trevor Lawrence, who I think is underpriced for the potential. But other than that, I got nothing in this one. You even touching this one with a 10-foot pole? Um, in 
You mean betting or DFS? Anywhere. A lot of times the things are kind of blind. So you could take it away. Yeah, I mean, I like the Jacksonville side here. I like James yeah. Robinson quite a bit. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's he's had, uh, I mean, they're they're in the last four games. He's had like nearly like 20 touches per game. He's been the RB6 uh, over that uh, the last four games, at least in half PPR. I think that Seattle is uh, is brutal against the run. I mean, in a bad way, hundred almost one hundred thirty five ish rushing yards per game, mm-hmm. and I think at six thousand uh, or is it sixty six hundred on DraftKings? I think that is a, a fine play. Uh, there's a lot of running backs I want to play this week, but with guys like uh, James Robinson at sixty six hundred, Darrell Henderson at sixty five. I doubt I'll be paying up elsewhere, even for Jonathan Taylor or, or uh, Derek Henry. So, um, yeah, I think I think James Robinson is in for maybe his maybe not his game of the year because um, you know what? Maybe I mean he had 18 carries for 149 yards um, against the uh, Tennessee in Week Five. Only found the end zone once. I think this could be his game of the year this week. I mean, stats are there. Seattle has really, really struggled defending running back, particularly ones that catch the ball. We saw Kamara do damage, but 31 points, fantasy points allowed to running backs on average. Seven and a half targets over 70 yards. We know Robinson, so up and down. Uh, what you're getting at with the usage, he's on the field up or down. One of my sneaky stacks this week is that is actually Lawrence and Robinson. The Seattle D is just where you want to go to pick on. They're allowing the most plays per game at 73 bottom three in yards allowed per game, 433. That magic number of six yards per play, one of the, they allow the most sustained drives in the league, three minutes and 15 seconds. Then you mentioned, I have 141 rush yards a game, but to the pass side, not only do they not get to the quarterback near the bottom of the board in sacks and adjusted sack rate, but 39 attempts for 27 completions and 293 yards per game. The door is going to be open for Trevor Lawrence, and we saw him produce against a porous Tennessee defense through the air. I mean, one that Mahomes was not able to form against. And then a Miami Dolphin defense that's also pretty poor. And he's averaging about, you know, 290 yards those last two games. He's doing a little bit of giddy up. He has a rushing touchdown in two of the last three, more than 28 yards in two of the last three. I was very surprised with the Lawrence pricing here. I I really think that's a severe underprice for the matchup at 5.5. Really you know, that opens up some big salary. He's, to me, certainly a candidate for 20 points. And if you pair him with Robinson, the two of them going off at that average keeps you around 6K, giving you some salary flexibility. So I'm going to be piling on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those two guys, I think they win this one outright. Matt, can you get behind anything with Seattle? The Jacksonville pass D is terrible. 51% pass DVOA is worse than the league. They have only eight sacks, worse than the league. 3.4 3.4 adjusted sack rate, worst in the league, allowing 298 yards per game, worst in the league. Can you get behind Geno, Metcalf, anybody? I think Mick, Metcalf because, I mean, he can he can kind of make up for the entire game in one play, and we've seen him do it before. Yeah. Uh, we saw him do it last week. He got to 17.6. But that was it. No, I mean, but, I mean, basically one play made your entire game, and but that's how dangerous that, right? he could be. So yeah, you're saying, yeah. do I see anything on this side? Yeah. DK DK always is playable in GPPs because I mean he did that on one play. Imagine if he just had two. You know, I mean he can get there. I'm not playing him, but right, right. he he is uh he is matchup proof as far as his brilliance of big plays. Uh, yeah. But yeah, other than that, Seattle, I'm uh, I'm gonna fade fully. I I think the Tyler Lockett with Geno in there, it's just not the same. 
And, uh, you know, the Jacksonville pass defense isn't very good, but I think Lockett at uh, even a 6,100, you can't, you just can't go there. Three targets last week, seven the week before, only two catches in each of them. Um, you, know, you just can't go there. Yeah, ver- it's really hard to to get behind Geno or anything on Seattle. You know, that you need a little bit of pass game to open up the run at all. The Jacksonville defense is so bad. Something is going to have to give here. And I, I think it's reflected in that, that 44 total, right, Matt? Generally, you wouldn't see the two worst past defenses in the league facing off to a 44-point total. So I'm a little bit worried that there's a GPP winner in here somewhere. You know, that's some weird, ugly mix of Jacksonville and Seattle. So I'm going to try and have my J-Rob and T-Law going out there. I'm going to avoid the Seahawks. Um, next up is my is my other big misread of the week. And, hey, sometimes these things are a blessing in disguise, right? We talk about CLV, Matt, closing line value which you generally want to be on the right side of, which people that means the line moves. Sometimes it moves with you and sometimes it moves against you. Matt, I'm not of the type if a line moves against me to get away from all the hard work. That's just not my style. If I put in the work and I like a line and it moves against me, I'm probably taking it anyway. I don't really care about the public, maybe to my own detriment, though I've had pretty good success betting. And I'm getting into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to New Orleans. First off, the total is at 49 and a half. These are two slow-moving teams that both kind of play defense. The line opened up at minus six and a half. The Buccaneers are favorite. It's now moved to five. I've even seen some four and a half. So this is where I have to take my loss against CLV, Matt. I don't think the New Orleans Saints are in the same, you know, stratosphere as the Buccaneers. If what the Saints do well is play defense on the pass side, I don't think they can keep up with the Buccaneers. And I don't think if Tampa Bay gets ahead, that New Orleans has the firepower to keep up. So I thought this one was not going to be a route, but I thought the total was going to come in low. So I'm like easily on a Tampa Bay cover and well below the total here. So for me, it's Tom Brady, maybe even the Buccaneer defense. And that's pretty much it, man. What do you think? Uh, um, yeah, the Buccaneer defense is obviously something you can go with. Um, on In general, though, I mean, Tom Brady is is someone you can always bet on. The um, He's probably... Probably a fade at his price. I mean, he's he's coming in at seventy four hundred. I mean, I, I've already talked about fading two similar quarterbacks. I think in this one, he's probably an easy fade there. You, you definitely don't want the other end of the ball with Jameis Winston. Leonard Fournette is uh, is is someone who is who's proven to be the absolute workhorse in the Tampa Bay backfield. Yeah. And he never seems to get priced appropriately enough. He's a sixty three hundred, but again, uh, New Orleans run defense second in DVOA. 3.3 yards per carry. So, I mean, Fournette is not not, not exactly someone who could uh, bust metrics. Uh, so, I, I think at 6,300, he's also an easy fade. Alvin Kamara gets Mark Ingram. They say he's going to be right in there with him. I don't know if that's going to hurt or help. We know what Kamara did with, with Ingram on the field already, but at $8,700, I don't think, versus the Tampa Bay defense that is already difficult enough, you want to gamble and take a shot at that. You know me and the Tampa Bay wide receivers. I never, ever bet on any of them. It's but hard, yeah. Antonio Brown is out. So if you want to take a shot, I think Chris Godwin at 6,400 is perfectly acceptable. Um, You know, he has a ceiling enough to make it happen, but again, I'm not going to bet it. Now, now you come to uh, Rob Gronkowski. Um, He is 46, which is interesting because we know how Tom Brady likes to stare him down in the red zone. (laughs) I don't know if they're going to ease him in, but 
Uh, I think if he's in there, I mean, I don't know how many catches the man's going to get. I don't know how many man, how many targets the guy's going to get. But I, I think for sure he could find the end zone easily. Week one, eight targets, eight catches, two touchdowns. Week two, five targets, four catches, two touchdowns. Week three, eight targets, four catches. So I think at um, 4,600, he is certainly someone you could consider in GPPs for sure. You just you just have to. And uh, on the oh, other just side, for the record, in case people were following, he he did practice in full yesterday, so it's got to be a go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say he's a go. Um, I I don't know if he'll be limited at all because they do have other bodies obviously on the field and Cameron Bray and OJ Howard and they're they're willing to use any of them. But right. yeah, the, the history shows Rob Gronkowski is a guy that you should never fade. The second you do, he's going to go to the end zone multiple times. Yeah. And uh, Adam Troutman and Juwan Johnson. Uh, you can't really trust either of them because they're kind of splitting the work in the back. So in this one, uh, the most excited I am about anyone is probably Gronk. Yeah, I, mean, I don't blame you. I like I said, I think I think the Brady spot is one that I might be okay paying up for as far as quarterback. Where I agreed in the other ones, this one the matchups who is is too good for me. The Saints defense really struggling. That defensive line really struggling. One of the worst line grades via PFF for the pass rush, and that's reflected with only 13 sacks and a 5% adjusted sack rate. They are allowing 41 attempts, 25 completions, and 275 pass yards. The Buccaneers have shown, and this is my problem with Fournette, is even when they're up, they're just throwing. It's weird. Brady is just so efficient that they can throw at a level of confidence that it feels like running. Right, There's almost a no percent chance of giving it up. I, I just I watched the Buccaneers operate an offense and without pieces, Matt. They're missing Gronkowski, well, as of late, right? And they were missing Antonio Brown as and still just decimating competitions. I mean, this open man Brady having all the time in the world, always on a spot, rolling with pressure, never hurrying up, hitting his targets through the progressions. I mean, they're they're incredibly hard to defend. The Saints D is struggling. Against the pass, like I said, yeah, they're very good against the run. The Buccaneers have no problem abandoning the run game. They just they don't care. I don't I don't see the Saints being able to play up with the Buccaneers. I think this one uh, not say gets out of hand, but gets out of hand in a boring sense where even if it's like you know twenty four to seven, it's 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 over, right? And it maybe isn't seen as a blowout, but I don't think near the total. I'm I'm not touching anything New New Orleans right now until they show me something outside of Kamara, which is weird. Matt, last thing, Mark Ingram moved the line, which I was like, I, it just really kind of shocked me. Like that was the news that came out. I mean, I don't know what people are seeing. Maybe I'm going to get served up, man, going up to public. All right, <laughs> last one on the public. Last one on the public. Last one on the main slate for Sunday. This one is all you. I don't know what to make of this at all. Washington football team, three-point underdogs going to Denver. So the three-point spread means it's like, eh? And a 44.5 total means it's, eh? I got almost nothing. I used to like the Denver D. They've been disappointing as of late. We know the Washington defense is mad, especially against the pass. But do you believe in the Denver pass game? I know there's one very interesting name in particular, Matt. Take us away on the slide. Are you talking about Jerry Judy? That's the one. You know, him and <laughs> – listen, him and Bridgewater had that connection rocking and rolling through the preseason. It's all anybody could talk about. And then it materialized in both the preseason and then in the first week, I think, right? Judy had six catches for 72, and then that was the end of – so do you think they picked right back up where they go? I mean, can you get me – I have a hard time getting to Bridgewater. Yeah, you can't. We'll start on the Denver side. Might as yeah, well. go, go, go. I mean, um, 
the 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 WFT Washington football team they're giving up 30 points per game to opposing quarterbacks they have allowed 19 Ooh. touchdown passes which is the league worst uh-huh. uh but uh Terry Bridgewater Teddy <laughs> Terry Bridgewater Teddy Bridgewater hasn't been very good uh over the last several games he his he's just not been solid so that that kind of lowers the floor for everyone catching the ball over on the Denver side. Jerry Judy is back, but Cortland Sutton is still the alpha over there. I think he always was going to be, even though Jerry Judy got off to that big time start. Um, the problem with uh, the problem with all this is we don't know how the target share is going to go. So, but I mean, as far as the guessing game goes, the pricing is has Sutton a sixty four hundred, Judy only a forty nine. So. If you wanted to flip a, if you wanted to take a shot, you absolutely could. I mean, they're not going to be starting someone like Jerry Judy unless they are actually confident that he is going to uh, be healthy and be at full speed. I would assume, right? Yeah. So he's not even on. He's not even on the injury. Yeah, I mean, he's he's he should. I mean, I mean, as far as like you know, easing him back into the game plan and anything like that. I mean, I would assume he's still fine. But that being said, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant. There's a lot of mouths to feed. Always was. So, I mean, you're going against Washington, who gives up a league high, again, shockingly, 32.3 fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers, which goes a lot right along with um, what they're giving up to opposing uh, quarterbacks, and it all kind of makes sense. So do you think Jerry Judy just j- jumps back in there and is like a massive target hog? Because, you know, in the games he did play this year um, – so I'm trying to get up his numbers right here. The, the games he did play this year, he had uh, he had six targets or seven targets, six receptions in week one versus the Giants for 72 yards before going down. So not a lot to go on, but you know, it was obviously someone that uh, that fits that uh, sorry Bridgewater calling Fitzpatrick was looking for in a heavy way. Cortland Sutton priced up a lot more at 6400. Sutton has been since since week two. Um, Sutton's been the wide receiver 12 in the entire league. He's averaging over six catches and just under 90 yards per game. So what does that do? I mean, does, do they stick with Sutton, the guy that they know? Do they lean back over to Jerry Judy? That's 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 kind of tough. So the question is, Corlin Sutton, if we want him to kind of meet up to our expectations for what we want, we're going to want around like 25, 26 fantasy points out of him. He has only eclipsed that the one time. Uh, oh no, he's eclipsed that twice this year, and he's gotten close a third time. So he's someone who could get there. But Jerry Judy at forty nine hundred, you basically need to get him to twenty, which he at his likely a dot is going to need to find the end zone to get. That being right. said, he you know you're never going to get him cheaper. So it's just I don't know. It's a matter of how you're feeling. Well, uh, I kind of like that twenty that you mentioned. Six for seventy and one is twenty. And remember that twenty is pretty important, Matt, because it's pacing us for two hundred. So I, I think it's in the range. I think it's in the range because because of how poor the Washington D has been. Yes. Um. Uh. I, I mean, Noah Fan. Also, one more time. He's he's been he's been good. Uh. Yeah. Thirty-five catches, three hundred twelve yards, three touchdowns through seven games. He probably sees a hit with Jerry Judy coming back. Uh. Because they you know kind of seen the same kind of targets. So that's been averaging seven targets per game, but that's going to drop with Jerry Judy coming back. Uh, in general, I think. The smart bet is to fade the game entirely, but with Jerry Judy only being forty nine hundred, he's he's certainly someone that you could look to. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I was wondering what your take on the Broncos run game. You know, I I don't think they're going to have much success against Washington up front. Washington is bad as the defense has been through the air. The defensive stats, the front seven is not terrible. Minus twenty one percent rush DVOA, minus four minus four adjusted line yards. 
Uh, only 100 rush yards a game, 3.45 running back yards per carry. Those are all very solid input stats for the rush D. And then just it just it's gross. 40 pass attempts per game, 27 over 300 yards a game. They're the only team allowing that. 30 points for over 400 yards, six yards of play. All those magic numbers that get you in trouble. 40 yards a drive and a 78% drive success rate. That's for Washington. Just trying to hammer home for myself the avenue for Denver to actually do some damage. You know, we don't think of them as being prolific. They haven't scored 30 points yet. They scored 27 in week one, 26 in week three against the Giants and the Jets. But those are bad defenses. 24 against Vegas is kind of spotty. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I think it's open. The door is open for it. But you can't do it with that much confidence. Matt, that was the entire main Sunday slate with just about as much information as you could handle. I mean, spreads against the spread, money line, prop bets, DraftKings lineup. That was everything and some. How do you feel going into the weekend, man? We getting paid again because I have not had a losing week yet. I hope I didn't. No, I like it. Uh, building the week, building lineups this week are is a little difficult because there's not many inexpensive options I'm in love with, which usually I am. Um, I think the cheap stack of the week is definitely going to be Jacksonville. If you want to go with, um, if you want to go with Chenault, Trevor Lawrence, uh, I think you can even throw him right in there with. Uh, James Robinson and be completely fine. But other than that, there's not there's not a lot of ton of cheap options. Is there any that you kind of saw here building blocks for a, a lineup that uh, you just want to throw in there? Yeah, you know what? All right, so two things before we go. One, I'm glad you mentioned that because at this point in the season, I think the same thing kind of happens to me, like a cycle. And it's I really find I'm I don't do a lot of like total bargain bin shopping in the leagues, and I, I'm building a, a, a squad right now. And it's a lot of five and six thousand. I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of my pathway now. Is like I said, not not looking for the home run at the bottom because I, I feel like a lot of those players kind of get exposed. I'm gonna read you off a lineup. That's all. I just built it now. It's all players that we mentioned, and so there is not a single player. Well, the cheapest player is forty nine hundred. So it's Trevor Lawrence, Darrell Henderson, James Robinson, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith. Brandon Cooks, Kyle Pitts, Jerry Judy, and then I had to get the Washington football, hoping that Denver would. Not bad. A lot of great matchups, a lot of strong plays, a lot of number one options on their teams at some suppressed prices. You like it or what? No, I do. Uh, I think it's solid. I, I think that... I, I I have a I have I I don't like paying up at defense, but man, I don't like punting it either. So I wanted to ask. That was the last thing on the way out. Who's your favorite cheap defense? Now I got I put myself in a position where I only had the minimum. So if you only have the minimum, I don't like to sacrifice a good player for a defense. So address that, but then also tell us what your cheap defense for the. All right, my my uh, I'll tell you this is this is the team that I built with the uh, kind of what we talked about throughout the entire thing, which is capped off by my cheap defense of the week. So um, my my I paid up a couple of places. I paid up for Josh Allen at eighty one hundred. He's my quarterback, and I am uh, pairing him with Emmanuel Sanders fifty four hundred. So yes. I have them kind of paired up. Yeah. Uh, my running backs starting Jonathan Taylor at seventy two hundred. And Darrell Henderson at 65. I know I love um, James Robinson, like I said, and I said I didn't even know if I'd pay up for Taylor, but I think it's freaking it's it's clobbering time. And uh, Jonathan <laughs> Taylor is gonna make Tennessee pay in a home game. So again, Josh Allen, Jonathan Taylor, Darrell Henderson, right. Emmanuel Sanders, Zach Woo. Pascal. We didn't talk about much uh, in that feast game, 
but I mean, everyone's going to pay up for Michael Pittman, but you know, for, for only 4,400, you got a guy here who's six targets um, versus San Francisco. Then at Houston, you just, uh, just one target before that five targets, five targets, seven targets. He is someone that, uh, you know, could find the end zone and, and he's been faded away after finding the end zone um, three times in the first couple of weeks. And he comes in at a pretty cheap price. I think that, you know, if there's a little more attention on Pittman, uh, Pascal only needs to find the end zone kind of wants to make it happen. So again, you're, uh, you're looking at someone that is going to get you a minimum of three or four catches, uh, probably like, you know, 40 to 50 yards. If he finds the end zone, he can get you there. Uh, Devontae Smith, I have a 5,500 Kyle Pitts paying up at 6,300. And then at your flex position, um, with the money left, because then I'm my cheap defense of the week is the Bears oh. at home versus the, the 49ers. They're only 2700. Oh, that I looks like good. That. To, that looks good to me. Yeah. So I'll take the Bears at home for 2700. With the with the with the money you have left, you can go with Van Jefferson, um, uh, Rams at Houston. Uh, you can go with uh, CJ Uzuma, or you can go with our boy. I, I got to go with him one more week because he's literally the mascot of the show at this point. Ricky Seals Jones. Oh, Den- yes. Denver's tough, tough on, uh, on, 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 uh, on, on tight ends, but he sees the targets nonetheless. And I think that um, they're going to be paying Ronald Darby is going to be paying like a lot of attention to Terry McLaurin. And that'll be where they're, they're, you know, defensive attention will go to. So I think I still will take Ricky Seals Jones. Uh, they'll be moving the ball a little bit, even on the road in Denver. I think that he could, uh, he still return value, but there's, there's plenty of guys at the bottom of the market. I could, I can move it to a lot of other players there, but anyway, that's uh, Josh Allen, Jonathan Taylor, Daniel Henderson, Emmanuel Sanders, Zach Pascal, Devonta Smith, Kyle Pitts, Ricky Seals Jones, and the Chicago bears. Yeah. I actually really like that bears play. I'm glad that yeah, I, I got, I got that out of you because I was looking at um, the Eagles at that same 2,700, which I also found was pretty interesting. Uh, that's usually my cutoff point. It's funny how you mentioned it, man. I love that you and I do so much work on our own and then kind of combine it and then look for consensus. And a lot of times I'm amazed how, how often our work ends up being simpatico. So, yeah, like you said, you don't really want to just queue up the $2,000 defense. A lot of times they get beat up. But a lot of times you also don't want to pay 5000 because again, if you can get down to twenty-seven, that twenty-five hundred difference, Matt, that's the difference between a a bargain player at four K or a legit starter at six K. So I like that twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight. I'm generally there. I was looking at the Eagles to get it to the Lions, but yeah, your Bears play makes, just makes more. It just makes more sense. So that's a really awesome play, man. I, I am loving, absolutely loving this lineup, man. And we I didn't even mention Mitchell on that last one or Pittman. So I think. Again, you and I, Matt, I love this so much. We, we, If someone's listening and building like a thought tree, we probably give one or two really good single entry lineups. And I hope people are on them. And if not, smashing some of those prop plays we were talking about. I don't know if you saw I posted on Twitter, Matt. Kyle Pitts, his reception prop was four and a half. <laughs> too low, right? <laughs> that's ridiculous. Right? Is that too low? Yeah, yeah, that's way too low. Uh, I will say one thing uh, for, for everyone heading out before we end the show. Uh, I mentioned all those guys available in my flex. I got to say, I'm not happy with them in necessarily, especially this week. That's why I was kind of sad. I don't like that zone, that 3,800-ish zone. I usually have a guy I like there. I don't really have one I like. And that's because I'm, really... I'm paying up for Pitts. I'm paying up for Taylor. I'm paying up for... Allen, um, I'm thinking I may actually downgrade one of them. I don't know who because I love them 
all um, because I may want to upgrade that uh, flex play because, yeah, usually there's an embarrassment of riches of people I am okay with and I'm not digging it. So it's a, it's a hard week to pay up. Like, you know, last week I did the all pay up lineup, which right. was pretty cool. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, there's not a whole lot of uh, really happy plays at the bottom. I mean, even Pascal, I'm paying 4,400 for. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I couldn't get down there. And there were just a, just a couple of players I would consider um, down that low. And it really was my cutoff almost ended up being Judy at 4,900. It's really hard, really hard to go another, um, any other direction. Um, even McKissick was up over 5K this week. I was hoping after kind of a poor game last week, uh, maybe that'd be somewhere I could go. Yeah, I've had trouble. I, I'm, I'm, I'm firmly into that mid fives, you know, where Pittman is the number one option at 5.3. Cooks is the number one option at 5.7. You know, that's where I'm going to be looking. And then you mentioned the running back, like Robinson and Henderson, guys that could be priced in the mid sevens. I think I'm going to be looking for some value. And I, even if I have a couple chalky plays, if they get there, they get there. So I'm feeling really good about this. I got a bunch of bets really set now, a bunch of lineups set now, man. Matt, thank you. I love this Friday show so much. So before we go, uh, people, yeah, check out my stuff at MLB Moving AVG. You can type in NFL Moving Averages into Twitter. And please check out my live lineup lock show. That's on Sunday, live at 11 on YouTube and on Twitter. Just the last things. And, you know, I've been making a lot of money at Jock Market if anyone's in. So, Matt, so glad to have you, man. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Daily Blitz podcast for week eight. If you have any questions, reach out to me or John on Twitter. I'm at Matt Williams, M-E-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. John, MLB Moving Averages. Type in NFL Moving Averages into Twitter. Actually, NFL Moving AVG. You can find John and we'll be back on Monday because we are doing this every day during the week now for a little bit of a recap to see where we went right, where we went wrong, and a little bit of Monday night football preview. (laughs) See everybody. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shares, ribbon off rib, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad well, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up for size, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz.